podcast. Podcast. Hello and welcome to Pumping Up the Podcast. I'm your host, Elise Eldridge, and today we're going to be breaking down Season 2, Episode 21 of Hannah Montana. It's called Bye Bye Ball, and I think I'm just realizing, is that supposed to be like a play on Bye Bye Bye? I'm pretty sure that's the one. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) my guest today is Alex Mellorez. Hi, Alex. (laughs) Hi, Elise. I'm I'm very happy to be back on so we can talk about Yet another mediocre episode of everyone's favorite TV show. (laughs) Well, I actually, I really liked this one. I mean, it's bizarre. It's like a lot, but I found myself really enjoying it. There was so much to like about it, I think. (laughs) Yeah, there definitely was a lot to like about it. Um, And I actually think that uh, a lot of people might agree with you that it's one of the stronger ones because this was... One of only four episodes of season two that has a 7.5 rating or higher on IMDb. I didn't take note of what the other ones were, but this was like near the top of season two. (laughs) Well, I definitely liked this one a lot, especially coming off of a string of episodes that like I had so much that I wanted to change. I I don't know that I would have changed much about this one, to be honest. (laughs) I I have something that I would change, but it's like something that like right at the end that kind of, you know, could have had a heavy implication over the entire plot. Uh, Spoilers. Mm -hmm. uh, The ending was kind of weird. (laughs) Yeah, that was a very weird ending. And I'm like, they could have restructured the entire episode around the fact that the original, the original signature was forged. And Mm -hmm. that could have made a plot so much more interesting, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, this one, the weirdness in it wasn't like offensive to me. (laughs) So yeah. I call that a win. <laughs> but so this episode, I don't think I had seen this before. If I did, it was like once. And because I had like no memory of any of it. I All I really knew going in was that it was like another like Miley and Jackson sort of a plot. Although it's much more Miley. It just like has to do with Jackson. And then um, I knew from IMDb that Joey Fatone was in this. <laughs> So I wasn't quite sure where it was going to go. It exceeded my expectations. <laughs> yeah. And this is, uh, you were uh, just talking about on the episode that came out today as we're recording about all mm-hmm. the characters who have the same name as the actor playing them. Yes. And now we have Joey Fatone <laughs> playing Joey Vitolo. Yes. Yet another example of that. I, <laughs> I mean... At, the, at this point, it's just like, really, you can't just come up with more first names. Like, last names can be difficult. I get that. First names? <laughs> there is no shortage. I don't, I don't really have a problem, with, especially if it's someone who's already famous. That it's like, oh, yeah, we're writing this character for you to play. We'll give mm-hmm. them your name also. So it's like a little more, you know, like stamp of individuality. I, it, it makes a lot more sense when it's, you know, Miley or Raven or something like that. Mm-hmm. But when for these like one-off characters like, you know, Heather and Joey. Yeah. It seems a little bit a little bit unnecessary. I did think it was interesting in this. Well, I I've, I've kind of just been observing this the whole time I've been watching this show is like what guest stars get audience reactions and which ones don't. And I was very surprised that Joey Fatone got like no applause. <laughs> no one seemed to know who he was. Yeah, well, I barely knew who he was. Uh, right. Because I, I only found out right at the end when uh, Robbie Ray made another, like, Dancing with the Stars comment. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. was this guy on Dancing with the Stars? Indeed yes. he was. <laughs> Just like uh, that psychic that Rico hired a couple weeks ago yes. or whatever. Although she was, like, uh, she was like a pro dancer on Dancing with the Stars. And Joey Fatone, uh, like, was on the show. I think he got, like, second or third or something. He made it pretty far. Yeah, I was surprised that there was like yet another heavy-handed Dancing with the Stars reference. I'm like, when are we going to run out of these? Is this just yeah. this whole season? But yeah, it was it was interesting. And they also make lots of jokes related to Joey Fatone's band in sync, and no one in the audience laughs at them. And I'm like, those are the most softball jokes you could make. Like I get that this was at this point 2008 and in sync was really big like at the start of the 2000s. But, like, I mean, I guess I only just now realized that the episode title is a pun on Bye Bye Bye. (laughs) But, like, I was surprised that nobody 
was like, ah, we see what you did there. <laughs> Wait, what other instinct jokes were there besides like, oh, I gotta get a record deal or whatever? Uh, well, Joey Vitolo does say bye 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 to Miley, and oh. uh, they make some crack about how it's like related to Justin Timberlake, who was also in Insync. So <laughs> it's it's in my notes. I think those are the main ones, but okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, see, I didn't even think of Justin Timberlake because they mentioned him every other episode anyway, so I didn't really stand out. I guess to me. that's a fair point. <laughs> I'm sure that's what the studio audience was like. Oh God, again <laughs> yeah. with Justin Timberlake. Oh, Is there any <laughs> this other is the one time he's relevant? <laughs> so this episode opens, and I want to go ahead and like skip to something that happens in this opening scene, but I'm I'm not. I'm going to hold myself to actually telling it how it happens we open with miley and jackson watching some like nature show about bears and miley is holding barry the bear and when the announcer of the show like starts talking about the bears mating season miley like covers barry's eyes and is like okay inappropriate <laughs> and again i'm like oh my god girl <laughs> this, is, this is a lot for you know in high school uh which i a lot of people make that point in this episode but if she wants to cling to her youth in that one way, I suppose that's acceptable, seeing as she is full-time employed. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. uh, Miley, like, leaves her bear on the couch with Jackson, and she, like, leaves the room for something. And then a wasp flies in, and in an attempt to get rid of the wasp, Jackson, like, swings Barry, like, all over the place and just, like, eviscerates him. Like, he is torn to shreds. There is stuffing everywhere. And this is like a very small bear. And I'm like, so he must have been really, and then I wrote in my notes, thread bear. <laughs> Jason Earls deserved an award for this scene. I really think so. <laughs> this first, because this, I noticed this was like a really short opening sequence. Like it was like mm-hmm. only a minute before the theme song started. But like the the fervor with which he swung around the stuffed animal and just how totally destroyed it was. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. But just like a total disregard for you know the fact that of course that miley liked it but it was really really well acted with like his total panic i thought it was really funny it was good physical comedy i mean there were like pillows on the couch right i feel like that would be more effective than this like (laughs) tiny stuff bear but whatever we need an inciting incident for the (laughs) plot the story has to happen yes it, it does eventually um then miley sees this she's incredibly upset And then she talks about how Barry was like a big part of her childhood and helped her, you know, with her, the challenges of growing up. And she says he helped her with moving from a crib to a big girl bed with potty training and the measles and the mumps. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back up, girl. You had the measles and the mumps as a child in the 90s. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Were you not vaccinated? (laughs) Like the vaccines the exist us? in the HMU? <laughs> I mean, I would think so. <laughs> I think, it, I mean, I guess that's one explanation is that they don't have vaccines in the HMU. What I went to was like, oh my God, Robbie Ray and the late Susan Shields Stewart were oh, anti-vax. I, I guess now we know why uh, Susan Shields uh, didn't last too long. But Oh my God. <laughs> you can cut that if you want. Oh my God. Or leave it in. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, I they just say that and then move on. Like that's a normal thing to have happen to you. No, like like if you grew up in like the 40s, that maybe would have been normal. But in the 90s, no way. No way. You get that shit at birth. <laughs> I just I I couldn't believe that they said that and then just like walked away. And I get that like the audience doesn't care, the audience doesn't know better, but I'm like holy shit <laughs> yeah i didn't even clock that i was just like oh yeah diseases whatever she was like Barry, I mean, Barry, you could me say diseases polio. that you get that aren't you know preventable at this point like you could say she got the flu or food poisoning or uh strep throat or something like something that there Barry, isn't Barry, a vaccine the against plague. <laughs> she she got the bubonic plague <laughs> She did live on a farm. There were probably like lots of animals that actually did carry it. 
Because it's still yeah. out there. It just like it doesn't really affect people anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, I had to address that. It. I have not stopped thinking about that since I watched this on Friday. <laughs> Harry Bear was with me by my side when I had COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get your vaccine, everybody. If you're able yes. to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. I I will take a hardline stance on that. Anyway, at this point, Robbie enters. So that with you don't pieces. end up like uh like Susan Ray Stewart or whatever. Oh my god. <laughs> Stewart, just add in the Ray. Everybody's <laughs> got to have Ray in their name. <laughs> I think actually we learned the next episode I'm doing is the Uncle or Uncle Earl episode, and his middle name I believe is also Ray. So his name is oh. Earl Ray, and I'm just like, guys, there you must be stopped. There are more middle names besides Ray and Rod. Yeah, those are the only two that exist apparently. Um. But so, yeah, at this point, Robbie enters with these pieces of, like, a bookshelf he's trying to put together. And he's, like, struggling with the instructions, which are, they're in, like, six different languages and none of them are English. And he says that, like, one is Portuguese. And then he points to one section. He goes, is this Hebrew or Chinese? And I'm like, I'm concerned for you at this point. If you can't tell Hebrew and Chinese apart. Yeah, I actually thought of like, that, and I was like, wait, why would he be able to tell what the other languages were, but not those two? And I realized it's because, you know, Portuguese and whatever the other one was do use, you know, the same letters as English, whereas Chinese and Hebrew don't. I can totally buy Robbie Ray not being able to tell those two languages apart. I would honestly think it would be easier to tell, like, Hebrew and Chinese apart than to tell words that are still in, like, our alphabet, but in like a different language. Like I feel like that would be harder for me to figure out which is which as opposed to these two very different sets of characters. But but how do you Robbie say Ray. Portuguese and Portuguese? Is is it like is it like similar to the word Portuguese like portu something else? Portuguese or something? I don't know. I Portuguese? I do not know any Portuguese. <laughs> All right. I know some I'm French, I know some Italian. <laughs> I know like uh, 10 words in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, Portuguese and Portuguese, according to translate.google.com, is Portuguese. I definitely That's kind of what that. I thought. Kind of spelled like Beetlejuice. <laughs> you know what I mean? It has, like, it has Portuguese U E with, uh, I don't know what that's called in English, like the accent grav and then the S. Mm-hmm. And here, let's listen. Let's listen to what, what translate.google.com says. Portuguese. This has been your Portuguese there. lesson. <laughs> Pumping up the Portuguese. Pumping up the Portuguese. Oh my god. It's going to be my sequel podcast. Where it's just me learning Portuguese. Um, <laughs> so then uh, Robbie is like, you know, Miley, you're in high school. You might be too old for a stuffed animal anyway. But then Miley gives him like a very dirty look and he pivots to Jackson needing to apologize. And Jackson doesn't really apologize in this scene. Like, not really. Like, he's like, yeah, sorry for doing this, but there was a wasp. (laughs) Like, it's not, like, a very real apology. And he does, like, apologize better later, but he he doesn't in this scene. So Miley, like, swears vengeance for Barry Bear. And (laughs) so Miley and Lily decide that they are going to go into Jackson's room and find something that he would be devastated if it was destroyed and destroy it. And this sequence is really something. And I actually like the sequence later where it's Jackson and Lillian Oliver in his room even better. Like that one's extra funny to me. But in this scene, Miley and Lily are wearing these like big like plastic bag ponchos and rubber gloves and like the like nose pinchers that you wear to swim. And they're holding like big kitchen tongs and Lily like starts dialing something on her phone and Miley's like what are you doing she's like I'm calling my mom because I want to say goodbye just in case yeah did you how much iCarly did you watch because like none I don't think I've seen a single episode of iCarly okay because there was uh like a because I'm checking to see if this came out do you have like the date that this episode came out uh, this was like early 2008. This was one of like the first 2008 episodes, okay. but I can find specifically. Okay, because this was like a couple months after then. Um, 
Neville Papperman, who's some, you know, child villain on iCarly, had the super famous line that was like, you will rue the day, Carly Shay. And this just reminded me so much of that when I was like, I will be avenged. And it felt like they were just really trying to copy that. I don't know if that's just because mm-hmm. I'm in tune with iCarly, but they tried to be like, they tried <laughs> to kind of like replicate that uh, that Neville line and it didn't really land. But yeah, I agree with you. But Miley and Lily are like they're wearing nose plugs also in that room. Mm-hmm. Had had we seen Jackson's room? Was this the first time that we? I seen think it? this or was we- the first time we saw Jackson's room. Although in the previous episode, Mama was staying in Jackson's room, so there's no way it was like this when she was staying there. That's like impossible. She would not allow that. So he must have worked fast at like undoing whatever cleaning had been done because there is some funk in this room. There is some stuff growing in this room <laughs> for sure. Also, like, the episode or like they hire Lily to like clean the house. That already happened, right? Or is that upcoming? No. <laughs> that must oh. be coming up. Okay, never mind then. Okay. Yeah, never mind. All right. I was going to make a point <laughs> about that, but I'll leave it go. <laughs> So, yeah, because his room is, like, a total sty. And I watched this directly after I watched the previous episode where they do make a point that their grandmother is staying in his room. When, like, there's no way that they only have one guest room in that house. And there, there's their rooms are huge. Like, someone could sleep on Miley's floor. Someone could sleep in the Hannah closet. Like, there is endless space. I don't know why she had to stay in Jackson's room, which... I mean, there's like I said, there's no way it looked like this if she was staying in there. <laughs> but there's like bugs in old food. There's clothes everywhere. There are shirts that are have like solidified and like turned to stone uh, that like thunk when you tap on them. There's like a closet that is uh, it's it's like toxic. The air in it, like it's really bad. And he also has this big poster of Hannah Montana that he's drawn all over, which I did think was a nice little detail. And yeah, in my notes, I wrote that I found it kind of hard to believe that Robbie Ray would allow Jackson to keep a room in his house that is this disgusting. (laughs) What do I know? (laughs) But how could you forget about how much they love man stink? Oh, God, that's true. They're always going on about man stink. But they always then learn the lesson that man's stink is overrated. They they have yeah, learned that lesson like three lesson. times. <sighs> Jackson just wants to believe in the power of man's stink. That's that's truly what it is. And he wonders why he's single. He wonders. He's like, how come no girl ever goes on more than one date with me? Gee, I wonder. <laughs> Maybe it's all the poor hygiene. <laughs> Maybe it's because you never wash your clothes. <laughs> but they kind of cut to Oliver, uh, who's been tasked with distracting Jackson so that he won't come home while they're in his room. And Oliver's keeping him busy by giving him like a very lengthy personal survey. This was funny. He claims it's for a class in sociologicology. And then when it's clear that his like stalling efforts aren't going to work for much longer, he cracks an ice cream cone over Jackson's head. <laughs> I, he just takes hard it from believing someone. <laughs> this is the best Oliver could come up with in terms of, you know, stalling Jackson. But I found it was, I thought this was going to be the B plot when I first watched it, that like Oliver's doing right? like a survey project and like going around asking these dumb questions to everyone. Uh, but alas, it wasn't. It was the, the questions <laughs> he had were favorite fruit, Second favorite fruit, third favorite fruit, and remember you've already used apple and pear. I did think that line was that and that line and that line reading were excellent. I loved that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> remember, don't reuse your first or second favorite fruit for your third favorite fruit. <laughs> He's really, you know, making a meal out of these questions. We then like cut back to Jackson's room and Lily finds this like little fake skeleton and says, What's Rico doing in Jackson's room? <laughs> Which did make me laugh out loud. <laughs> Which was the only Rico appearance in this episode. I know the only appearance of Rico was as this tiny <laughs> little skeleton. Um, they then find Jackson's autographed Joey Vitolo baseball, which is, I guess, a prized possession of his. And we find out later that uh, Joey Vitolo's deal is that he uh, got 
five home runs in his first five at bats, like in his like career as a professional baseball player, and then like did a cartwheel and like injured himself and never played again. (laughs) And so that's why the ball is so valuable. But he also like, this is this is where I started to get suspicious about this ball and why I was like, kind of satisfied by the reveal that it hadn't actually been signed by Joey Vitolo. Because as soon as Joey Vitolo like injured himself and quit baseball after like during his first game. He like said he would never like sign an autograph for like anyone ever. And I'm like, so that means someone had to have gotten this ball autographed during that like first half of that baseball game. And it's one of like however many in existence. (laughs) So I was like, why would Jackson be in possession of such an incredibly rare collector's item? And why would he not want to sell it for some scheme? I don't know. <laughs> I just this is where I started to get a little suspicious. <laughs> yeah, I actually I hadn't thought of that, but I would have thought like, oh, he probably signed it like before he ever played major league baseball. Like maybe it was just like oh, oh and it like became like, valuable. Yeah, and it became valuable afterward because you know sometimes like oh yeah, the minor league team is like signing stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, thirteen year old Jackson or however long ago. Actually, wait. Do we know how long ago Joey Vitolo played baseball? I don't think they say. Because, like, if he was, you know, supposed to be this, like, superstar, he probably would have been, like, pretty young at that point. Like, I don't know, like, early 20s maybe. And at this point, how old is he? Like, it's at least 10 years later. He's probably in his 30s. So that might be, like... I mean, in baseball, though, it's not as much about... uh, like you can be relatively old and still be able to play major league baseball, but I guess yeah, that's yeah, a good point. It's like, that, like if you're he was like new, point. yeah, that's a good question. Maybe, maybe he had been in the minor leagues for a while and then finally moved up to major leagues and then did that. I don't know. That's a good question. I would love to know more about Joey Vitola's backstory because he. He has so many business ventures going on. He's quite the little entrepreneur. Yeah. He his interests are incredibly varied. I I just I would like to know more about him. <laughs> I would like a Joey Vitolo spinoff series a little bit. Um, so Jackson then like comes back to the house while they're still in his room. They hide in the closet, but then that's kind of like the rest of the scene. And then Miley is like, "Okay, I'm gonna shred this baseball." With a cheese grater. At one point, yeah. At one point, they like go to the kitchen because they're gonna shred it with like a cheese grater, which I did think was <laughs> funny. She's gonna use a cheese grater on this baseball. <laughs> um, but uh, we get like a brief moment of Robbie versus the bookcase because like he, we hear him like curse from outside, and then he comes in. He's clearly cut his hand in some serious way, but he's like hiding it and is like playing coy. Despite, I was like, it kind of sounded like he cut like a finger or something off, but he seems fine later. So I don't know. And then Miley kind of struggles morally with like actually going through with shredding the baseball. She finally decides to not go through it with it because she's like, you know, I'm not that kind of person. I don't need revenge. I'm like, oh no, I feel like I've seen you do some pretty vengeful stuff in the past. I don't know. Sounds like you might subconsciously not so accidentally toss the baseball into the food processor immediately. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what happens? She's like, she's like, yeah, I'm not that kind of person here. And she like throws the ball to Lily for some reason instead of just like, keeping it on the counter. Over her head. She throws it to Lily. It like accidentally turns on the garbage disposal. And then it rolls down the dish rack into the sink where it immediately gets shredded by this <laughs> And Mylene then to rationalize this is like, okay, I guess it was kind of meant to be since Jackson ruined Barry on accident. And then I did this on accident. But then Jackson immediately enters with like a completely repaired Barry bear. Like he like got it fixed, which I don't know how that's possible. That thing was torn to shreds, but he did I'm still it. Suspicious Jackson just bought a new one. I I honestly thought that he did buy a new one. <laughs> and it, it was going to be that new. plot with like with like Mama's car that they were like we we fixed her car but it was just a different one and she could tell immediately except that isn't what happened. Does that happen in an episode? I thought I was sure that one already happened with Mama's car. 
I don't think so. The only mammal oh, that we've seen so far, I think, is when they meet the queen and then uh, her versus Aunt Dolly. I think that's all we've seen of oh, mammals. Sorry, so I'm, I guess I'm mixing up what's already <laughs> happened and what hasn't happened yet. Sorry for the spoilers again. <laughs> that's okay. I don't mind. I don't think the people listening <laughs> mind, but I'm I'm always like, wait, what? <laughs> because I probably haven't seen that episode before. And then uh, Miley like tries to fix the ball. It's clearly not okay. Like she tries stitching it, but it just looks, it still looks like oblong. I noticed here, sorry to interrupt you. You're fine. Um, from the desk setup in the kitchen, mm-hmm. from I want you to want me to go to Florida is back. Oh my God, you're right. I didn't That's even think about that. The baseball. I was like, it's back. The desk is back. Where Robbie read the letter. They, where, do they cuz it's like they keep swapping out like the like the dining table for this desk, right? Like uh, do they just like, sh- like like is the desk on wheels do they like roll it away from a wall and bring it into like the middle of their space? I'm so confused yeah, by this let's desk. Let's put it in the most inconvenient spot in the room every time you want to use it. But like I feel like it kind of feels like it's placed in a spot where like usually the camera just doesn't see it and it might just be there all the time. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Because it is in a very strange spot, but and I'll, I also feel feels like oh she could have just done this at like you know the kitchen table, just like right? Bobby could have read the letter at the kitchen table or on the Why couch or at the dining piece? table. I just I I I am so <laughs> I can't believe that I'm like so frustrated by this desk because <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. It just looks so out of place whenever they do it. And thank you for reminding me that 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 was in it because I like hadn't thought about it. I was like so focused on like the plot, I didn't even notice the desk. Uh-huh. Also, I thought you were gonna notice from like before when Robbie came in with like his injured hand or whatever that he said he said like "dang niblets, sweet flabbit." He did something. say that. Mix I up did. The catchphrases. That was good. I didn't put that in my notes. I think I just forgot to write that down because he does say dang niblets, sweet flabbit, which is very funny. And then he says like a gloss tacken doesn't fit into a flogenhagen. Mm-hmm. Zing. Gotcha, Ikea. Thanks, <laughs> Ikea. Sweetest jokes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they've got the ruined baseball. And Oliver is like, oh, why don't you just go to a collector shop and buy a new one? He's like, what is it? A Babe Ruth, Willie Mays? As if those are going to be easy to get. <laughs> As if a Babe Ruth signed baseball <laughs> wouldn't be incredibly expensive. Oh, what is it? One of the most famous baseball players of all time? Yeah. Easy. And then and then when they say it's a Joey Vitolo, he freaks out as if a Babe Ruth ball is easy to get compared to a Joey Vitolo. I'm just like, this guy who played one game versus like widely regarded to be like the greatest baseball player of all time. <laughs> who died like a really long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> like there's clearly a limited supply of those. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I did think that was interesting. But so, yeah, this is where they explain what uh, Joey Vitolo's deal is. And so after he quit baseball, he opened up a pasta place in Pasadena, which they say several times. Uh, It's called Vitolo's. (laughs) He also doesn't do autographs. And Miley's like, well, maybe he doesn't do autographs for you, but I bet he'll help a sweet little girl out or something like that. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) Um. So they go this to the was, restaurant. <laughs> this was like the part of the episode that seems to be happening pretty often every episode. We're like, oh, halfway through, time to entirely change what the episode is about and what's happening and what the setting is yes. all together. Yes. I will say, I think this episode did a better job at connecting it to the original through line than most of the others have. And that's probably yes. why I liked this one more is that it doesn't just introduce things and then drop it forever. Like this one, at least it goes off the rails and the plot becomes about something else, but it's all for the underlying goal of getting the baseball. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. at least, at least there's connective tissue as opposed to just being like, the rock is here now and we're doing this scheme and it has I nothing to do with the mention The one with the rock where it's like, wait, what are they doing now? How does this yeah. relate to what was happening in the first eight minutes? <laughs> exactly. So I think this one is better executed in that sense. And that like, at least the goal stays the same throughout the majority of the mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> 
so yeah, so Joey Vitolo is played by Joey Fatone, as we said. Uh, he is very much not interested in helping Miley. <laughs> yeah, here's where he says bye, bye, bye to her, which the studio audience did not fully appreciate. All he cares about in his life now is pasta and his daughter, Angela. <laughs> and some, and I, immediately I wrote in my notes, I'm like, something tells me she's going to be a Hannah fan. And sure enough, she enters and she's wearing a Hannah Montana t-shirt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Angela is great. I'm a big Angela fan. Angela deserved more episodes and her own spinoff. <laughs> I did like her. She starts singing Best of Both Worlds. And Miley's like, okay, we heard it. And Joey's like, hey, you don't have to listen to it 50 times a day. And then Lily and Oliver go, wanna bet? (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty funny. Because they don't really show Miley ever just, you know, singing her own songs. Be like, oh, I'm so talented, you know? (laughs) So I thought it was pretty funny. They gave, like, I don't feel like that's like a continuity mistake as much as like an insight into like, yeah, Miley is constantly bothering her friends by singing her own songs well and they also go to her concerts like three or four nights a week where she sings the exact same songs every time like i'm sure they hear best of both worlds like five times a week at this point uh so i did think i did laugh out loud at that and i thought that was like that's like a smart way to like do like a self jab at your own show you know like i don't like it when they get like two wink wink nudge nudge but i think that was acceptable where it's like that's believable yeah we hear best of both worlds constantly (laughs) yeah Uh, and i thought i felt like miley and also joey here were being like ah it's so annoying but like angela wasn't like she sounded good yeah i was like oh is she's is she gonna be like the next pop rival for hannah montana or something i didn't actually think that but like imagine like in a imagine like in season four angela came back and it's like you're joey vitolo's daughter and now you're taking all my fanas. <laughs> yeah, Michaela's out of the picture now, pretty much. I mean, we we get like a lot of talk of Michaela in the next episode, but the only thing that we see from her is like the same footage that we saw in a previous episode. So yeah, now that Michaela's gone, move over. It's Angela Vitolo's time to shine. I did think she sounded good. And also the way that Miley talks to like, any person younger than her on this show always throws me for a loop because it's so weird and patronizing. She's always like, sweetie, if I bring Hannah here, will you get your daddy to sign this ball for me? <laughs> Can you tone it down? <laughs> she's not that much younger than you. <laughs> yeah, she, she was probably like 12. They're talking to her like she's four. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like Honestly, I first saw, I was like, is that like Allison Arm from Sunny with a Chance? It wasn't. But I was like, she looks familiar. But then I looked her up and she was in <laughs> nothing else that I've ever seen. So maybe I've just seen this episode a couple of times and that's why she looks familiar. Yeah, that might be it. But they do make a deal that if Hannah Montana comes to the restaurant, she will convince her dad to sign the ball. And he's like present for this. So he's like, we'll just see if you can convince me or whatever, I guess. I don't know. I mean, he seems to like be in on this deal since... All he cares about is pasta and his daughter. Although he also seems to care a lot about veal. He cares a lot about veal, or at least about selling veal. <laughs> he really wants to sell this veal. <laughs> so Has it gone bad? I My next line of notes is just like one line. And it says, Robbie Ray has lit the bookshelf on fire and is cooking food over it. I guess this is the B-plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not only is it, this is the end of the B-plot. Here's a, By the way... This is probably the most relatable B plot of all time. I would like to imagine from from this show, you know. So here's here's the Robbie Ray's arc. All right, he's trying to build a bookshelf. He is having a hard time. He injures himself and gives up. Yeah, he ha- he does have yeah. a full arc. I mean, it just almost entirely happens off screen. <laughs> yeah, and in the span of like forty five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is the end of the B-plot. That's the last we see of this bookshelf because it is now up in flames. Jackson, at this point, goes to his room and realizes that his ball is gone and he says that he will avenge it. And then we see Hannah at the pasta place in Pasadena. She has signed, like, all over Angela's body. And uh, Joey Vitolo says he still won't sign the ball because Hannah has to perform at the restaurant. And he unveils a cardboard cutout of Hannah holding a pizza. And it's so funny. 
it is one of my like favorite props I've seen on the show. <laughs> it's just like one of the press photos of her like posing, but they like just <laughs> photoshopped in a pizza. It's so good. And she's like, no way, I'm not going to perform here. And I'm like, what's the problem? Your job is to sing. What does it matter? Like, you're going to get what you want out of this. All you have to do is sing like a couple songs at this restaurant. I don't see how it's a big deal. Uh, It's not like it's going to be bad press for you or anything. He signs the ball because she like made a stink, but it's like only his first name. And he says that if she wants the Vitolo part, she she better get her old blue jeans up there and make some noise. (laughs) I wrote in my notes, this is a really funny episode. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then and then she was like, fine, but you're setting a terrible example for your daughter. And Angela says, I can live with that. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is hilarious. I genuinely, like, I had to stop because I was, like, laughing and I had to, like, take down what I had just seen. <laughs> I had to pause this so much because I was laughing too hard to take notes. Um, so... There are two microphones on stage because Joey is also going to sing with her. He tears off what he is wearing, which is like, I guess, like a nice shirt and slacks or whatever, to reveal like a gold lame suit. And on the back, it says, try the veal. (laughs) It is. It is a crime (laughs) that Hannah Montana 2 soundtrack did not include Life's What You Make It featuring Joey Fatone. This was. I agree. (laughs) excellent i just take a kooky situation and turn it all around that was hilarious i love it like they did that with like lily also they're like oh they're having a different character sing a song they'll change one word and lily was like you will be asked right. for lily one day and then joey fatone is mm-hmm. uh take a kooky situation i i liked so yeah so <laughs> We really quickly get, like, a scene of Oliver and Lily in Jackson's bedroom, like, being, like, interrogated by him about what happened to the ball and where it is. And he's, like, doing a German accent, and he, like, threatens them with time in, like, his stank closet. And, like, he, like, forces Oliver to go in there, and he's, like, maybe this will jog your memory. And he, like, pulls him out, and he, like, tells them where she is. I I thought it was really funny. But then back at the restaurant, um, Hannah is singing Rockstar. And I think this is the first time we hear Rockstar on the show. We definitely hear it in the next episode as well. But I'm pretty sure this was the first time. I love Rockstar. It's probably my favorite song from season two. Um, And then she introduces the musical stylings of Vitolo and Montana. And they sing Life's What You Make It. But it's like a jazzy version that also promotes everything on the menu at the restaurant. Um, and they yeah. do like a little dance and I'm like, this is honestly pretty impressive for like something that they're doing on the fly. <laughs> like they didn't this have very, very much time funny. to rehearse. Yeah. Oh, what were, um, I wish I wrote down like the instances of, of them, like, or especially Joey, like throwing in, like trying to make his advertising as veal or whatever fit the context mm-hmm. of the song. Like life's what you make it. So I don't even remember. I don't know what I'm trying to do, but I'm going to go find that now. Yeah. <laughs> It's really, really good. And at this point, this is where I was like, Joey Fatolo wears so many hats. He was a professional baseball player. He's a restaurateur. He's a father. He's a singer. And he's a dancer. And he somehow invited an agent and a record producer to come to, like, their second show of the night. Which, like, what kind of connections does this guy have that he could just, like, call an agent and a record producer to be like, I need you to come see me sing at my restaurant tonight so that you can take me on as a client? <laughs> yeah. Which makes you wonder, like, was this just like, oh, now that I have Hannah Montana, now I'll be able to look good in front of the record people? Or is this something he's been trying to do for a long time? But I know. I do? I want more Joey Vitolo backstory. I'm fascinated by him. He has such an interesting career. (laughs) And also, like, if his goal was to break into the music business, why, instead of staging this elaborate thing where you do a concert with Hannah Montana, why not? Because you've already got Hannah in this, like, position where, like, she needs something from you. Why not just, like, ask her to introduce you to, like, an agent or a record producer? Like, is yeah, that, like, that would be so much easier. forward? Like, I feel like this is weirder. <laughs> oh, this is much weirder. Uh, but you know who, who Joey Vitolo <laughs> reminds me of? 
um, with the fact that he's, you know, had so many different careers. Uh, a, a couple months ago, I graduated from CJEP and the guest speaker who was like 47 or something only talked about himself for like 10 minutes and his own life. It was basically just like his autobiography, his autobiography. And he was like, uh, yeah, so when I graduated, I founded a theater company. And then uh, when I got tired of that, I like became the CEO of a technology firm. And then like after I had kids, I decided I wanted a job that they could understand. So I quit being a CEO and became a, a firefighter. And it was like, okay, can you end your speech now? We're kind of bored. <laughs> Oh my god, why at graduations do they always hire speakers that just like make the worst speeches? Like they do they not do they just like say, okay, you're gonna give a speech and then they don't like actually hear the speech first? Because I went to a high school graduation once where the principal and it was from my high school, but like two years later, and the principal gave this speech that I honestly found offensive. <laughs> like talking about he like talked about like death a lot it was like really weird i'm like this is a high school graduation what are you doing yeah i find like it would be usually a lot better to if you want to bring back you know like former graduates to make a speech it could be Mm -hmm. like find someone who's not interesting so that they won't have much to talk about first of all (laughs) first of all they'll focus more on the graduation and also it'll be shorter because when you have these people who are like i led these like super unusual and interesting lives they'll like going on and on about it and at the end they'll be like uh and you can do it too yeah (laughs) maybe it's that we need to be like giving people that make these sorts of speeches better like guidelines on what the speech needs to be like it needs to be not just you talking. <laughs> what do we think Joey Vitolo's guest speaker at a graduation speech would sound like? It would probably be very self-promotional, but I don't know if it would be as much about his journey. I think it would just be more about promoting whatever he's doing at the time. So it could be about trying the veal at Vitolo's or if yeah. he does get like a record deal, it could be like, and if you come see me on tour, you'll get to see the inspirational power of song and dance. I don't or it could be him trying to get yet another career out of it as like an educator (laughs) (laughs) yeah like yeah all you students showed perseverance just like i persevered to find the greatest veal recipe that everyone always says was totally worth the money (laughs) so (laughs) at this point Jackson arrives at the restaurant and he says, I I don't know the context of this because I didn't write it down, but he like says to Joey Vitolo that a Justin Timberlake mask couldn't make you look good, which was like, Mm -hmm. I think the big NSYNC reference, but you're right because they bring up Justin Timberlake so often. I don't know that like the average person would have gotten that that's what that was about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And now we, of course, we have to ask the question. Justin Timberlake obviously exists in the HMU. Does NSYNC also mm-hmm. exist? And therefore, does Joey Fatone also exist along with Joey Vitolo? I mean, that's a fair point. They're making references to NSYNC. Justin Timberlake was clearly still in NSYNC, but it could have been somebody else in NSYNC other than Joey Fatone in the HMU. We don't know. Mm-hmm. It could have been yep. Colin Lasseter for all we know. <laughs> it could have been Colin Lasseter. Maybe that's how he got famous. It could have been, he still uh, would have been what's, like what's the guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the name of the guy that Gilbert Gottfried plays in the Uncle Earl episode? Could have been him. Oh, uh, it's like Barney something. It's Barney something. Barney Bittman. Um, I have it in my notes for that. I can pull that it's up. Barney Bittman, right? It's. Barney Bittman, I I gasped when I saw that Gilbert Gottfried was on that episode. I was not expecting it. I knew that it was Uncle Earl, and I knew Uncle Earl was coming. I was not expecting Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> and for that to be, like, the opening of the episode, I was very shook. Um, I'll talk about that in the next episode. Tune in next week. Um, <laughs> so That's what we call a tease. Yes, exactly. At some point... Uh, like Hannah like falls into like a bowl of spaghetti or something. I don't really remember how it goes down. She like falls off yeah, the stage or okay. something. 
No, like, basically, Joey just, like, picked her up and swung her around and, like, flung her off the stage. And she fell onto a table. And I was like, jail. Jail time for Joey Vitolo. Yeah. (laughs) She's a minor. (laughs) I know. You just assaulted a minor. (laughs) In front of an audience. Physically. (laughs) Yeah, with with a room full of witnesses on your place of business. You are getting (laughs) sued to shit. You are going to be penniless when this is over. (laughs) I had forgotten that he actually, like, he, like, lays hands on her. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I've just pulled up the episode again on Disney Plus, and I have the captions on. And one of the things while they were saying "Life as You Make It," he was like, "And turn it all around." I'm talking 360, which isn't a reference to the restaurant, but just an unnecessary addition. Uh, with the new attitude, everything for can the change. folks in the audience like that the don't Sunday know what round is. <laughs> yeah, how many who don't know how many degrees in a circle. And then Hannah goes, with a new attitude, everything can change. Like the Sunday brunch now featuring an omelet bar. Wow, this is quite a full-service restaurant that it, that it also does breakfast. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Like, it's not like Olive Garden does breakfast. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why Vitolo's is more popular than Olive Garden. That's why, <laughs> yeah. they can, that's, why they can, that's why they can get great acts like Hannah Montana to come perform for free. Unlike Olive Garden. <laughs> Just purely on the reputation of the restaurant alone she agreed <laughs> yeah, to perform i want to go play at vitolo's mm-hmm. so yeah so jackson like sees joey vitolo assault his sister and he tells miley that he knows what happened with the ball was an accident and that he's letting her off the hook since he doesn't look up to joey vitolo anymore since he took advantage of her basically <laughs> And he also thinks that Miley has suffered enough from having to perform that number with him and from getting dunked in pasta. So then she then goes back into the restaurant, spins Joey Vitolo around like in a circle and then like plants him in like a big custard dessert. And then in the next scene, they're like doing a dance together like it seems like they like made up they were like okay you got me i got you we're fine yeah Uh uh-huh one thought i it bothers me how the show just decides when and when they don't want paparazzi to matter and exist because like we've seen the types of things that like hannah montana's gotten like the cover of a a magazine for or whatever and this one it yeah, would, would be like restaurant owner tosses child star across the room into food, and it's just like, oh yeah, no one cares. Just another day in the life. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I, I know that like like nobody had like smartphones back then, but like we've established that like camera phones were a thing. Nobody was whipping out their phone that Hannah Montana was performing for them at dinner, or that Hannah Montana yeah. got dunked into their plate of pasta, like people would have documented this this is this was quite an ordeal yeah because it's like oh yeah i can't be hannah montana in public because everyone immediately swarms me but now i'm at this like tiny restaurant and there's this like you know totally calm audience of just like 10 tables or so watching me play for free and then hannah montana's ex-boyfriend shows up (laughs) (laughs) yeah because that's what jackson is to the public he's hannah montana's (laughs) ex-boyfriend he's always there yeah and so in this little ending scene they cram a lot into this bumper by the way um yeah joey vitolo seems to have signed the baseball and apologized but we don't actually see that we just see the evidence of it and then Hannah's now in a matching jumpsuit, like the same as Joey Vitolo's that say Try the Veal. And they do a choreographed dance with each other to Rockstar. And I'm like, so he apologized after she dumped him in this food. And then Jackson also here finds out that the original ball was never signed by Joey Vitolo. It was just Robbie Ray. Like, and he only figures this out because Joey Vitolo's real signature looks nothing like the old signature. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and that's that's what bothered me retroactively about the entire episode was that robbie mm-hmm. ray wasn't involved in like oh you don't need to have him sign it because then like oh jackson will see that it was totally different from the other one and this is where i came up with the totally new and improved plot of bye bye ball uh mm-hmm. so here's how it could have been 
uh, is after Miley destroys the ball, Robbie's going like, oh, you don't need a new ball, Jackson. Or he's trying to get the ball to sign it himself again. and be like, I did it. And what it could have been is after Miley goes the first time, try to get the ball signed. Um, and she comes back with it having failed. Robbie Ray's like, why don't I go try to get him to sign? And then mm-hmm. he comes back, it's signed, and Miley's like, how did you do that? And she's so bothered that he could get it signed, but she couldn't, that she goes back to Joey Vitello and asks him why he signed the ball, and he's like, I never signed a baseball. And I don't know where they go from there, but someone else will figure that out. You can probably pick up right there and come up with a great ending. <laughs> yeah, well, no I... pressure. Before you even said that, I was like, oh, yeah, it could be because I I do like your idea that Robbie Ray like sneakily just signs it himself and doesn't tell Miley. But I was thinking I was like, he could just be like, listen, (laughs) yeah, I can replicate that signature or just like just go get a new ball. I'll take care of the rest. You know, like they could conspire together. And like, I guess in that scenario, Joey Vitello would like barely be part of the plot. Um, and I did enjoy having him as part of the plot, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I do think it's weird that such an important detail to like the story of the episode is in the bumper. It's in like the last 45 seconds of the episode. Where no one's paying attention anymore. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's like a dance number happening. <laughs> yeah. And Robbie's like, oh, if I could dance like that, I'd give myself a 10. Yeah. Okay. For starters, he says it's so weird. I I was like, what? And then it took me a second. I was like, oh, he's making another Dancing with the Stars joke. <laughs> he's like, yeah, if I could dance like those two, I'd give myself a 10. I'm like, why aren't you just saying I'd give them a 10 for that dance? Like, it's so, it's such like a weird, it's like a weirdly structured line. And I get that they're having him say it that way to like poke fun at the fact that he wasn't amazing on Dancing with the Stars and Joey Fatone was, but I, I still, it was so, it was so weird. I, I love it. I love that they keep peppering in these weird references to Robbie Ray, or not Robbie Ray, Billy Ray being on Dancing with the Stars. But it was, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe we got another one and that it was so weird. Yeah, it was very awkward, especially because, you know, obviously Robbie Ray doesn't know about Dancing with the Stars in this universe. So it's like, you're giving yourself a 10, mm-hmm. like in what context, you know, it's like, I would give myself I mean, a, I guess, a 10. Odd, I don't know. Is he that familiar with ballroom dancing? Because like, I think you do get judged that way in like actual ballroom dancing. But I don't think that's very in line with Robbie Ray's character. Yeah. Especially because earlier on he said, oh, it's on TV. Are these stupid dance shows? <laughs> yeah. Maybe he remembers from the time that Miley had to do that uh, dance competition with Rico. Maybe he was there for that. And he was like, oh, I like this judging system. <laughs> they're doing i'll remember it forever i'm trying i'm trying to make it make sense (laughs) wait i barely even remember what that was was that like season one that dancing thing was that like they were dancing on the beach yes okay yeah so and then at the end miley like agrees to be in it it's the one where she gets jackson fired oh yeah from the surf shack i vaguely remember and then she and then hannah has to hire and then, because he's terrible at that, they have to get him his old job back with Rico. Oh, yeah, the I Got Nerve thing where Jackson's, like, messing up the sequence in, like, the boxing ring. That's what I remember yes. from that episode. Iconic. <laughs> so, that's pretty much the episode. <laughs> Was there anything we didn't touch on that you would like to address? Uh... No, not this time, actually, really. I mean, like, there was one... I wanted to look up, like, what's the actual record for, like, consecutive home runs to start a career? But it's such an obscure statistic. I couldn't find anything. I only looked for, like, a couple minutes, but, like, it didn't come up. Everything I found was, like, consecutive games with a home run. I'm like, that's not what Joey Vitolo did. (laughs) I think what Joey Vitolo did pretty much never happens, like, ever. (laughs) So... I wouldn't be so baseball has been around for a long time. I'm sure it's happened at some point or maybe yeah, and there like are like or four. a thousand games every baseball season. It, like, cause, cause like every team plays More like every day. <laughs> every team plays. I think it's 162 games per season. And yeah. so like the total amount of games in the season would be large. I don't over. 2000, so all of that times like a hundred years. Like, I mean, 
I guess statistically, it very well could have happened at some point. There I don't think it has. There have been a lot of baseball games. Who knows? There have been way too many baseball games in the history of the world. We don't need that many baseball games. <laughs> I, uh, I liked this episode, though. I liked this one a lot. I was really surprised that with how it like charmed me. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to be so good. At least based off of the description. I was looking at the list of upcoming episodes. Like the back half of season two is uh pretty strong. There are some pretty strong points for Hannah Montana, the yeah. lore. Yeah, I'm looking forward to I, I can't believe I'm so close to the end of season two already. Um I feel like I just started season two. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this last stretch of episodes for season two. Uh and then we're gonna enter season three where I'm pretty sure I've seen maybe one episode i i don't know we're gonna find out (laughs) (laughs) yeah i assume you have someone booked for the the return of johnny collins i do (laughs) that is the one remaining episode i think i have (laughs) actually set in stone (laughs) okay corbin blue's second appearance i mean his first appearance is like something i that will like i'll I'll like remember it when i'm like 85 i'll still remember uh corbin blue as johnny collins in like the pilot episode of hannah montana it's it's so choice i don't remember if i've seen this other one with him in it but i'm really looking forward to it (laughs) well thank you so much for joining me today (laughs) you're welcome thanks for having me back yeah of course i this was a fun one. I I really liked this episode. Um, I there was one thing actually that I did want to ask you before we go. I it's cut from an upcoming episode, but I did want to ask you: Is Lizzie McGuire set in the same universe as Hannah Montana? No, uh, Lizzie McGuire. I don't think ever crossed over with anything. So because I mean, you, the one time we talked about this. Yeah, mm-hmm. the one time the one time it, we talked about this, you told me that due to some like throwaway thing on like Girl Meets World or whatever, that like every Disney show was technically set in the same universe. But Lizzie McGuire didn't yeah, really have any crossovers. Yeah, not all of them. Just like a bunch of Hannah Montana, Wizards, Zach and Cody, That's a Raven, Jesse, Austin and Allie, Good Luck Charlie, Shake It Up, Girl Meets World, Casey Undercover, uh, did I say Austin and Allie? Best mm-hmm. friends whenever. I didn't do it. Corey in the house, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, it does not include Sunny with a Chance or Ant Farm or Lizzie McGuire and a couple others. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think they were set in the same universe but because you had said that before about like how it accidentally like inc- made most Disney properties set in the same universe. I did want to double check because. During uh, the episode before this, I will always loathe you. Um, the hat that Miley is given by Mama that is so big and has like lights in it. Um, my guest suggested that um, the designer who designed all of like Lizzie's outfits in the Lizzie McGuire movie was also the designer of this hat. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, just because it's not confirmed they're in the same universe doesn't mean they aren't. Just right, because they never had like an official crossover or anything. So, and who that's knows? A totally maybe theory. I mean, for all we know, one character could be in both universes without the universes actually being the same one. You know, you never know. So, I did just want to Ooh, confirm with you, trippy. though, since you're the expert. <laughs> oh, I had never even thought of that. The fact that, like, oh yeah, the character Lizzie McGuire could exist in like more than one cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. <laughs> Oh no! The multiverse. Everything's changing. The multiverse again. is real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> thanks again so much for joining me today. Uh, do you want to tell people uh, about where they can find you online? Sure, you can follow my Twitter at Alex Mellaris. You can listen to Disney Channel Discourse. There has not been a new episode since April, but eventually, I'm probably going to start making some more and. I think it'll probably be finally out by the time this episode comes out. MWCA, Musical Without a Cool Acronym. 
you will be able to it's coming out august 20th so i think that is great this comes out the 23rd so just in time (laughs) all right so three days ago you could have watched the uh, (laughs) live stream on youtube of musical without a cool acronym i think 8 p.m eastern um and it's still on youtube so you can go watch that now it's a phineas and ferb unlicensed priority musical written by andrew grabowski and i uh, did a bunch of incidental music and also i wrote a song that is playing in the credits so stick around till the that's end that's so cool that. <laughs> that's very very cool everyone should check that out and thanks so much to all of you for tuning into today's episode of pumping up the podcast i hope you'll join us next week where we will be discussing season two, episode 22 of Hannah Montana. It's called We're So Sorry, Uncle Earl. Teased a little bit about what we talk about in that one in this. So I hope you'll join us for that next week. And in the meantime, if you want to find us online, we're on Twitter at Pumping Up the Pod, Instagram at Pumping Up the Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Lovely Lisi, Instagram at Actor Elise. And until next time, keep on pumping up the party. <laughs>